I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Opening day in Major League Baseball just three days away for the Tampa Bay Rays. What are the expectations for Kevin Cash's team? And what about some of the young players we may see throughout the year? We've got the perfect guy to break that down. Rays radio pre- and post-game host, Neil Solons is going to join us in just a minute. Hey, if you have a business and you're looking to uh, have some advertising, we'd love to have you as a sponsor. There's lots of ways you can sponsor this podcast. Our advertisers have shown some great results. All you have to do for information is contact us on Twitter. You can reach us at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'd love to have you. Be part of our team. Okay, Neil Solons joins us now. And, uh, Neil, you know, I, I look back at last year, the Rays win 90 games. Um, a, a, just a tremendous accomplishment, I think, for that young ball club, which evolved really during the season. But how has that changed even sort of like the feel to the spring training camp this year? You know, I, I think based on, on last year, I think that going into the season, I'm sure the players felt they had a lot to prove, Rick, and and – you know, I think that's in large part because so little was expected on a nationwide basis. I'm sure internally they had much higher opinions or thoughts of, of what they were capable of, and certainly they accomplished that. But when you go into a season having won 90 games the previous year and having added pieces, I definitely think there are expectations going in, and I would think those expectations would start with being at least in the hunt for a playoff spot all year long and, and hoping to do a whole lot more than that. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you. I mean, I, I think probably internally they're greater than people even realize uh and to that to that point i mean i think you know the good thing is is that the rays are continuing to try to to add to their ball club and they certainly did that uh in the off season um talk about what what the importance of of someone like a like a charlie morton would bring to that pitching staff um even with the success that they had already last year you know i I think beyond the fact that he's he's been able to get the biggest outs in the biggest games. Um, and the fact that he's been a winner is I think that, you know, you take a look at like the 08 team and the team that went to the world series for the race and the character of guys that they had in that clubhouse, whether it was Cliff Floyd or Eric Kinski or Troy Percival guys who had been there, done that. I think that that does add value to a group. And then I think to a man, I mean, anyone who's been around, Charlie, whether it's been with Houston or other organizations, I mean, Tyler Glass now said that um, Charlie was the first major leaguer he got to know in Pittsburgh. And they all speak to the quality of the human being that he is. Um, and I think that means a lot in the course of a long season. And then maybe like the the subtext of all this is the fact that, um, you know, Charlie's led the league in, in hit batters in four seasons um, in his league. And um, I, I do think there is a value to having a guy who knows how to pitch inside and knows the value of that to teach a young staff to be able to do it because sometimes you can learn from your coaches. But I think also there's a lot that comes through osmosis from players who've been on that. So I think all of that adds up to uh, a lot of positives that Charlie can bring to the table beyond the fact that he's an outstanding pitcher and is coming off a career year. 
Yeah, and Brace is playing, of course, uh, for the Rays, lives nearby in Bradenton. You mentioned Tyler Glass now, and they're counting on him, at least initially, uh, to be their, their number three starter, but he hasn't had a great spring. I, how much do you do you place in, in things like ERAs? And I know these guys are working on stuff, but what have you seen from Tyler? I try not to. You know, I try and look more as to the quality of the overall stuff. And I've seen 98-100 with, you know, a, a really good breaking ball. I don't think he's had bad fastball command, but I think he's had not great fastball command. And usually it's been one inning that's kind of gotten away from him. Um, I tend to believe that when the lights come on, I think he's a kid who's going to be ready. I like the changes, actually, that he has made with his delivery. I think he's simplified things. I think he's quicker to the plate. Um, you know, I, I've seen... Youngsters struggle in spring training. I've seen veterans struggle with spring training. But when the stuff is there, um, you know, I, I try to worry less about the results and more about process. And I think that um, during the course of spring, Tyler's been tinkering here and there with, you know, adjustments he's going to make. Um, but I think that I think over the long haul, I, I get a feel that I think he's going to be OK during the, you know, during the course of the long haul this season. There are a lot of young guys. Neil, you know this organization inside and out, certainly from the minor league level all the way to the majors. Um, one of the guys we saw a little bit last year and now uh, could be a starting corner outfitter is Austin Meadows. Uh, you know, clearly he's a he's good offensive player, could be really good defensively. Will his as his defense improves, will he help a guy like Kiermaier, um, you know, having sort of the the range that perhaps Tommy Fan and him may have out there in in the corners? I think it'll help. I think to me, it probably helps Austin grow that much more quickly because I think, you know, initially, I mean, Kevin has the ability to cheat a little bit just because of how good Tommy Pham is, Um, you know, and and I think the biggest thing for Austin is just knowing what KK is capable of, too. Um, They had, um, you know, it was um, the latter part of spring training. The two had a near collision or mild collision, as I would call it, in the outfield basically because Kevin got to a ball that I think most center fielders don't get to. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Austin actually was in pretty good position to make the catch as well. So I think the big thing is probably just knowing what, knowing what each are capable of. I think the Rays have worked really hard with Austin on making sure that um, he runs as well in the outfield as he does on the bases um, because yeah. he, you know they do a lot of studying the data and info. And I think really it's about him getting his first three steps underway that much more quickly and having confidence. And I think, um, as he works with KK and works with fam, I think he's going to gain that confidence. And, you know, I tend to believe that he's got the ability to be a pretty good outfielder. The only thing missing from Kiermaier is, is good luck. Um, you know, some <laughs> health that, that he's not being able to maintain, uh, you know, it's been talked a lot about and he's talked about it, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's not going to change necessarily his style of play. But is there is there a, a happy medium there with his approach, maybe um, whether it's on offense or defense, to uh, uh, you know to to maintain him th- throughout most of the season, or does it just one of those things where, hey, he's he's been snake bit a little bit here. He's been snake bit a little bit, but I I, I certainly think that um, you know in hindsight, you know the the play where let's say the, not last year but the year before that where he hurt his hip. I mean. He was, you know, going feet first into a bag at first base in a six-one ball game. Um, yeah, yeah. The, I, I think it's kind of picking and choosing sometimes your spots. 
mm-hmm. um, and and he's still going to go all out. And I think, but I think as he grows and matures, um, I think you know he's going to learn that there may be certain spots where it's maybe not the wisest thing to to be as hundred um, percent all the time. I, I also think there's probably something to being a new dad that hopefully will allow him to settle from a you know mental approach. And I think hopefully he'll just keep things simpler on the field in terms of the offensive end. You know, last year he had such a down year. I think a big part of it was the injuries. Um, and maybe he also tried to do a little bit too much. And I think with the guys he has around him offensively, um, he'll probably hit more down in the order, at least to start the year. I think that'll take some pressure off him. And I think that should probably help him a lot. One of the young players, uh, and we want to talk to you about them since you know them so well, the Rays just signed to a six-year, $24 million deal. We've seen them do this before, is Brandon Lau. He didn't spend a lot of time in the majors last year, but tell us about this guy. And, and obviously, he's in some good company when you look at the list of players that the Rays have locked up like this before. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you, uh, among position players who had less than a year of service time, the only other guy to sign a deal um, this early in his career was Evan. Um, and pitching-wise, you're talking about Chris Archer and Matt Moore. So it's mm. some pretty elite company to have less than a year of service and be in this spot. But, you know, he is a little probably uh, more mature, um, you know, in terms of, let's say, comparing him to Archer or Moore. Because, you know, he's a college kid. Um, and it, it really is a nice story. I mean, he's a guy who was, you know, basically at the end of his high school career able to get a, a scholarship opportunity in Maryland. He had very few opportunities to play college uh, baseball and because of his size. Um, and he's really blossomed. And he, he grew into a guy who, had he not gotten hurt two days before the, the Major League Baseball draft in 2015, probably would have been much higher than the third round pick that the race chose. So this was a first round talent that fell because of a broken leg where he kind of basically caught his spike running the bases. And his first year, um, he was, um, you know, what he thought was an underwhelming performance, went out, revamped his swing. Next year, he's the MVP of the Florida state league. Um, next year he goes from double A AA to triple A to the big leagues. And, um, he's got for a, for a guy, his size, um, he's got tremendous power. He's got that kind of old school power. You know, you used to look at, you know, some of the great home run hitters and then you'd walk neck up next to him and go, how do they hit that many home runs? And he's got such great bat speed and strong hands and wrists, um, and great lift. Um, but I also think he has, he's a really good athlete too. And I think those are probably that and, and the intangibles of the hard work he's put in. Um, I think make him, you know, a pretty good guy to bet on. And look, six years and twenty-four million is nothing to sneeze at. I think, you know, for for you, I, or or any um, individual in Tampa Bay. But in baseball terms, it's not a great risk um, for the Rays, and it allows Brandon and his wife uh, Madison to secure their first fortune. And you know, I think it's it's probably a pretty good deal for all the way around. Absolutely, and definitely, definitely for the Rays if he reaches his potential. Another guy, not to be confused with Brandon Lau, but <laughs> Nate Lowe um, mm-hmm. is somebody that uh, everyone should be familiar with, having played in the Futures game. Twenty-seven home runs, Neil, between A, Double A, and Triple A ball. Um, that's some pure power. So, is he sort of their future? You think at first base, and is that maybe one of the one of the things the Rays were thinking about with the trade of Jake Bowers? I think so. You know, I think when they traded Jake, you know, you already mentioned Austin Meadows and you mentioned Brandon Lau and now you mentioned Nate Lowe. And I think that 
um, at least, you know, even if two of those three left-handed bats click, um, that probably would have made it very difficult for Jake. And I think their confidence in Brandon and Austin and also Nate were probably part of the reason behind the move and the fact that they liked Yandy Diaz, who was one of the two players they got in that deal. Um, You know, I, I think that if you look at, you know, you mentioned Nate's numbers. I mean, 27 home, uh, homers and over 100 RBIs. I mean, Brandon, if you combine his numbers from A to the big leagues, were 28 homers and over 100 RBIs. Um, and it's no knock on Jake, but Jake never had a season like that at the minor league level um, where he put up 1,000 OPS. Or he, I think he didn't have a year where he put up over 800 OPS in a given year. He was always younger than the league, and maybe at some point he's going to accomplish that. But I think for the Rays, a lot of the guys that they have, you know, they're not going to have more than likely unless they sign him to a deal like Brandon Lau to for more than six years anyway. So it's really about the production that you think they're capable of at the big league level. And I think it came down to um, as good as they thought Jake was. I think they think some of the other guys that are going to be in his place probably have a chance to be a little bit better, have a little bit higher ceiling. And I think that's kind of what game down to. to to get back to your initial question about Nate I mean you know Brandon Lau is a guy who you look at him and you're like where's the power come from and then you look at Nate and you're like uh there's where the power come from <laughs> comes from I mean you know he's a he's a legit six four six five you know 240 pounds but moves extremely well um has you know what I would call easy power you know, you look at it and it's easy to see how he's hitting a lot of balls out of the ballpark. But I think he also uses yeah. the whole field and he's willing to take his walk. And I, I, I think, you know, Kevin said this when, when they assigned him to the minor league camp, that basically he's going to drive the bus here. When he's ready, he's going to come play. Um, and he's going to have to go show that. Um, you know, and it's probably a little different than last year where there probably was no pressure on him. He's probably, he's got to make sure he doesn't uh, put a lot of pressure on himself. But I definitely think that he's a future major leaguer, and I think he believes in it too. You talk about uh, guys that could play first base, and and here's one that can play two positions uh, that we're likely to see at some point. But uh, Brendan McKay, uh, first-round mm-hmm. pick in 2017, uh, is he going to keep hitting and pitching, and, and just what sort of arc is he on in terms of, of his career right now? You know, I, that's at least the plan for this year. Um, I think a lot will depend on how he fares in both areas. I mean, there are a lot of people who believe that Brendan, if he were just pitching, would probably be in double-A already. But mm-hmm. I think he's willing to be committed to this. You know, he may still be in double-A to start the year, but he may be in high-A. Um, and I think, if I mean, you think about it. I mean, this year he's just going to DH because last season he had a couple of oblique injuries. And I think you know, the extra torque and throwing and doing infield work every single day, I think is such that they like to see, okay, what if he just DH'd um, four days, mm. you know, four days and then pitched the fifth or or in a six-day rotation, DH four, had one day off and pitched a six, you know, just to see how his body would respond. Um, because, I mean, you think about it, if you had a guy who is... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
um, a better than average offensive player who can also start and pitch every fifth day and give you six good innings or seven good innings every time out. That's an incredible value for your team. So I think both both Brendan and the Rays want to at least see this through and see how this year goes, and we'll see if his hitting catches up to his pitching. I mean, when he was in college, he was the best hitter in college baseball, and I think a lot of people thought saw him as a hitter first. So, so there you know there are some growing pains with trying to do what he's trying to do, and I think a lot of it is just going to have to play out over the course of the season. I, I, I think for sure the Rays believe they have a big league player. It's just whether he's going to do both. Brian Honeywell was a guy they had so much uh, hope and expectations for until he um, ended up having Tommy John surgery. Um, now I know that you know they expect him maybe uh, to have more of a kind of a full recovery, maybe sometime later this summer. But where where is he at? And just uh, you've seen guys come back from this injury many times. How is Brent handling this? He's he's looked really good. Um, I got to see a couple of his live batting practice sessions. Him and Jose De Leon. Um, and you know, it's hard to say that a guy's all the way back. Um, right. but the stuff looked really, really good and really, really firm. Um, mm. I'm sure the Rays are going to be very careful with him. You know, he's throwing live batting mm. practice the end of March. I would think sometime in April, he's probably throwing games in games down in extended spring training, starting with probably an inning at a time and building his arm up. And I would think that they're going to be careful with his innings total. You know, I, I'd be surprised if he throws more than, 120 innings this year or 130 innings this year sure. just you know because that's kind of been a ceiling so do they keep him at one two three inning stints early and then try and build him up so that at the end of the year they still have as many bullets as possible in the tank um i would think that would be the way to go because if you believe you have a chance to compete um you probably limit his innings at the minor league level and then once you know he's you know once you feel he's close and you start building him up and then We'll see when he's ready for the majors. But, I mean, the stuff is there. Um, you know, I mean, he's got, I mean, all, all was made about, you know, so much was made about his screwball and being a guy who throws a screwball. But the guy had three or four plus pitches, at the you know, at the big league level. And most thought he was one of the best right-handed um, pitching prospects in the game. And um, it may take a little time for that touch and feel to return. I You know, I, but, I mean, he still throws a mid-90s fastball with a pretty good breaking ball, too. So, um, he, and, and, and I think he has the intangibles. I mean, a lot of guys, you know, they rehab and they just go to rehab and then they shut it down for the day. And I mean, all last year he's going to rehab in Port Charlotte and then coming back at night so he can spend time in the Port Charlotte dugout with the stone crabs, just so he's around baseball games every day. Um, I just think he's a unique animal that way. Uh, very confident, but I think also yeah. very talented and very talented. All right, Neil, we know that the, the Rays have so many guys that can play multiple positions, uh, multiple infield mm-hmm. positions as well as outfield. And I, I look at a guy like Christian Arroyo who, um, you know, did, did some nice things last year before he got hurt, and then we kind of didn't hear from him again. Just where, where is he at right now? Well, I mean, he'll start the year in Durham. And, and I think the big thing for Christian is, you know, is just showing that he's healthy. Um, I think he admitted, yeah. you know, I, I sat down with him. And he admitted that he came into camp probably a little too heavy last year. Um, yeah. And that led to some injuries. I mean, calf, hamstring, um, you know, and then he also had some free things happen like a concussion, getting hit by a pitch. And you look at his year before, before he got traded to the Rays in the Evan Longoria deal, um, he also was hit by a pitch and, and suffered a hand injury. So really the last two years, he hasn't played a ton. Um, and I think for the Rays, for him to kind of reestablish himself, um, they want him to play on a regular basis. Um, I think he'll p- play predominantly at third, 
but I think he'll also play second and short, um, some in Durham. And I think for him, it's just a matter of getting ABs, getting himself back on track and reestablishing himself because he was a top 100 prospect in the game. I think the Rays believe he's the talent is still in there, uh, but he's kind of, you know, I think there also comes something to be said for showing you can play every day. And, you know, like Joey Wendell has, um, and Brandon Lau has, and Daniel Robertson and Willie Adamas. I think for, for Christian, he has to be able to stay on the field. You know, we talked about Kevin Kiermaier. I think Christian's got to kind of um, uh, lose that tag, having been hurt the last two years, because when he does play, he's obviously very, very talented. Neil, one of the most exciting young prospects I think the Rays have had and the number 13 <laughs> prospect, I guess, listed in all of baseball is Wander Franco, who's an 18-year-old. You've uh, been very impressed with him. Tell, tell us what, what you really like about Wander. Uh, you know, for me, it's more like what's not to like about him. Um, <laughs> exactly. You know, I think, you know, I mean, first of all, for all the, the hype about Vladimir, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I mean, you look at what uh, Wander did in the Appalachian League, the same league that, you know, Guerrero broke into in the States, and, and Wander's numbers offensively are better, and he plays a premium position at shortstop. I mean, he's a switch hitter. Um, he just turned 18 years of age. Uh, last year, you know, you're talking about a guy who's like you know, close to a thousand OPS with more walks than strikeouts. And I mean, think about it right now in the States, if he were a high school kid and not from, uh, Latin America, he'd be playing shortstop in high school still. Uh, and here wow. he is ready to play full season baseball. Um, so he's definitely ahead of the curve. I think there's certainly a lot of things that he's going to learn and grow, but, and, and probably grow into his body too. Um, uh, he's probably got more power from the left side from what I hear than right. Um, but I mean, there's just immense talent there. There's bat to ball skills. There's, you know, he, he, you know, his, his, uh, related to the eye bars who played in the big leagues, including Willie with the Rays for a bit. He's got three cousins and, uh, three brother, a couple brothers who play, uh, professional baseball at the minor league level. So he's, he's been in the game basically since, uh, since birth. Uh, so to speak, and he's got immense talent, and now it's just learning how to play the game uh, on a regular basis, getting used to a 140-game schedule, which he'll have never done before. I'm curious to how he adapts, but I think definitely um, he could end up being, you know, a lot of people have told me, and this is outside the race organization, that believe he may be the most talented player that the race have ever, you know, had internally, and and that's saying wow. something. I mean, I know he's only 18, and I, I don't want to overhype it, because he's still probably at least three, you know, a couple of years from the big leagues, um, but he's got a chance to be a really tremendous player. That's tremendous. Remember that name, Wander Franco. And then, you know, I want to ask you: and the Rays are always uh, this this franchise, this team that's uh, going to uh, push the envelope with analytics. With um, we've seen all the shifts in the opener last year. One of the things we've seen, Neil, in spring training is the use of uh, the four-man outfield. It's not the first time it's ever mm-hmm. been done in baseball, but they've done it quite a bit this spring. Is this something you might see more of in the regular season? I, I, I definitely don't think they're going to do this um, a ton, but I think they're going to do it some, and they've done it with guys who are what I would call big fly ball hitters. Um, by that, I mean guys who hit the ball in the air a lot, Justin Smoke, Chris yeah. Davis, um, guys like that on the, on the left side, um, Greg Bird of the Yankees. I wouldn't be shocked that they did it for a judge or a Stanton on occasion. Um, you know, I think um, as much as it can help from a data standpoint, I think it also probably gets in a hitter's head a little bit when all of a sudden they see four outfielders out there. And look, if Austin Meadows evolves as, as the Rays want, 
and they have him, KK, and 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 Tommy Pham roaming the outfield. There may be times where they don't need four outfielders, but um, it's just I think another way to try and give you any edge you can, and if that can help the Rays take another step and win a game by one run, so be it. Neil, the one the one thing that uh, I mean externally, people might look at the Rays and say, you know. Uh, what about the the late inning relief? What about the closer? We saw Jose Alvarado uh, do some things uh, last year. Is, is entering the season at least is he going to be that ninth inning guy primarily, or do you think that uh, is, is the Rays' nature they will continue to add to uh, to their bullpen uh, as we go through the season? I think you're going to see it change a lot from the start of the year to wherever it ends up. Rick, I mm-hmm. think that, to me, Alvarado is the best reliever they have. Th- there may be times where he may get the most important outs and they may come in the seventh or the eighth inning. I mean, if, if, if let's say they're coming into a game where it's one run and you've got Judge and Stanton due up, I mean, I sure. wait ninth inning when the bottom of the order is due up. Why not have Jose Alvarado go out and try and get Stanton and Judge? I mean, th- I, I, I kind of think that they will use him to get the most important outs. I think Diego Castillo will evolve. I think Ryan Stanek will evolve. I think you'll see Chaz Rowe get some pretty big outs from the right side. And then there may be some guys at the minor league level who evolve or guys who are in the bullpen now, like Emilio Pagan, who may play bigger roles as the season goes. And if they feel they need to go out and get somebody, they'll do it. I mean, who knows? Maybe you'll see a guy like, you know, someone like that pitch out of the bullpen at some point this year. Um, if they shorten him up and, you know, he's running out of innings and it's later in the year, you know, that's certainly a possibility too. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put anything out of question, but I think Alvarado will get the biggest outs, um, for bulk of the year, as long as he's healthy. And finally, Neil, I mean, look, uh, I think the Rays established as an organization, they compete in, in the American league East against these teams. Um, and their young talent is, is well known. Blake Snell's coming off a Cy Young award-winning year. We've talked about Charlie Morton and what they've done with the pitching staff. But what what do you think going into it, that other than health, that the keys will be for the Rays this year? I would probably say health, health, and more health to begin with. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at their season. They they just don't have. I think they're one of the deeper teams that they've had. But I still think you know having Blake Snell for thirty plus starts, having. Charlie Morton for 30 plus starts, having Tyler Glass now have 30 plus starts is essential to making the whole bullpen thing work um, and the openers and the aggressiveness in which the Rays manage. And I think having KK on the field is going to be critical. I mean, they really haven't had that in a few seasons. So I, I think those pieces are very important. Um, beyond that, you know, I think that they need the, the big three starters to have good years. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, the the one thing you know I, if i were to worry about anything it probably would be more so than the bullpen because i think the rays have a lot of potential arms that they could rotate and cycle through to me would be the guys who begin the game um and the bulk guys you know yarbrough and chirinos taking a step further because i think that allows you to use the bullpen you know dave always talks about your have to bullpen and your want to bullpen um and if they have to use their bullpen the way they have to instead of the way they want to it makes it a lot more challenging. Great stuff. He's Neil Solons, the Rays pre- and post-game host. You'll hear him throughout the year on radio and television uh, when you watch the Rays. Hey, thanks so much, Neil. Great insight. Really appreciate you having you on. Anytime, Rick. Thanks very much for thinking of me. Man, I'm excited for opening day. Can't wait for baseball. Just three days. The Rays host the Astros. How about this pitching matchup? Blake Snell 
against Justin Verlander. Wow, that'll be amazing. Well, Rick, we have some other Rays news from the weekend. Guillermo Heredia, the outfielder acquired in the trade with Mike Zanino from Seattle, is going to make the roster as Matt Duffy goes on the injured list. That has replaced the disabled list this year, so it's now called the IL. Matt Duffy's going to be out for a while, it looks like, with either hamstring and or back problems. So that means Guillermo Heredia is going to make the roster. He's a, a very talented outfielder, can play elite defense at all three positions, and can also be a pinch runner for this team. So he'll make the roster. Also, Jalen Beeks has earned a roster spot for the Rays on the opening day roster as he can go long innings and be a a guy who follows the openers. So that means it looks like the final spot on the roster is going to be left between lefty Adam Kalerik and righties Emilio Pagan and Hunter Wood. All three scheduled to pitch today in Clearwater. Now, this is assuming that the Rays are keeping Wilmer Font, who's out of options. So if he doesn't go on the injured list... Then if he doesn't make the roster, they risk losing him as he would have to go through waivers. Jameis Winston says he's going to play at 250 pounds this season. Says he's going to play a lot bigger this year. Coach Bruce Arians not concerned. Says he looks lean as he's putting on muscle. He was listed at 231 pounds last year. Rick's going to have more on this on tonight's podcast after he talks with Jason Light this afternoon. Paul Casey's now a two-time champion at the Valspar Championship. He shoots a one over 72 in the final round. It was a round where it was very hard to go under par, but he has won now two years in a row. He takes a purse home of over $1.2 million. March Madness, Florida loses to Michigan. UCF gave Duke everything they could handle on Sunday, but they lost by a point. But Florida State moves on to the Sweet 16. They have a matchup with number one seed Gonzaga this Thursday night. And the Lightning seven-game win streak was snapped in St. Louis Saturday night. They gave up three goals in under two minutes in the first period. They trailed three nothing they surged for the next two periods after that but could never quite tie it as they lost four to three although it appeared they had tied it in the third period Steven Stamkos with a great shot but Braden Point was just barely offsides as they entered the zone St. Louis challenged it and erased the goal so the Bolts host the Bruins tonight at Amelie Arena they've only lost back-to-back games in in regulation one time this season they'll try to avoid that tonight I'm in Arizona for the NFL owners' meetings. We'll have uh, some reports from Bruce Arians, have a chance to talk to him. Also, Bucks co-chairman Joel Glazer is going to speak with us later this week as well. The Lightning hosts the Bruins tonight at Emily Arena, and USF hosts Utah Valley in the College Basketball Invitational. So busy couple of days coming up here. And remember, if you have a business and you'd like to advertise with us or be a sponsor, we got lots of ways you can do that. If you need information, just contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me at NFL Stroud on Twitter, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Burstnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 